Ladies and gentlemen, another Tuesday, another pod, another virtual pod. Got a couple of guests that are joining me through the interwebs. Uh, one Magic player, one Cats player. And uh, going to be a good episode breaking down that series, a barn burner of a series, I, if I must uh, say so myself. And uh, we also played in a competitive football tournament over the weekend as well. So it should be a good pod. Jack, how we feeling? Feeling great. Feeling fly. JP, how you doing? I'm feeling great. Obviously, like you said, coming off the tournament, I'm happy to be here with you, Tom. Jack, we haven't talked in a minute, so I'm happy to have this episode. Let's get it rolling. Let's get it rolling. Let's do it. This is the Pipe It Up podcast. Cue the intro. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pipe It Up podcast, the official podcast of MLW Wiffle Ball. Today, I'm joined by Jackson Pearson. And Jack Agner, two of my good buddies. We got a Magic, we got a Wildcat, and uh, they squared off on last Friday's series. One of my favorite series of the year, my favorite videos of the year. Would you guys agree with that, or is that a, is that a bold statement? Uh, I mean, I don't know what Jackson will have to say, because obviously the, the Cats unfortunately took the L in that series, and being a little bit biased is tough. But I, I just thought from a video standpoint and like overall com- competition of the series, it was the best video so far this year. Honestly, I agree with Jack. I mean, I think every single one of those games was close. All the comments are saying it too. I think it was for sure, if not the best, one of the best this year. It was it was entertaining from a wiffle ball standpoint in terms of the competition, but I think it also featured the best mic'd up session <laughs> of the year with Grant Miller. I mean, that was that was phenomenal. That was a, that was an incredible mic'd up session. That was a top tier mic'd up. I totally agree with you, Jack. There. Um, I also got to say, too, so yes, I agree. The series was very competitive from start to finish. I mean, game one was a tone setter um, from RJ starting off dominant and everyone on the edge of their seat waiting for the RJ, another shutout, and then JP, you hitting the walk-off there at the end was great. But I think a huge couple of different factors there that I think people don't realize that made it such a great series and great video was, um, number one, was we had a volunteer videographer there who flew in actually from... Um, the Boston area is um, I'm forgetting his first name, but he goes by Weiner films. That's how I know him by in the wiffle ball community. And he's always seen at wiffle ball events. He was at NWLA this past weekend. And uh, yeah, he came out to Brighton to the meadows and helped us out with that series. And I think his additional shots made the production worlds better. I, I paired that pairing that with, you know, Kyle's editing and the way he used those shots. I think those two things took that video from great to amazing. If that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. It, it, it was awesome to have the extra videographer there and mm-hmm. absolutely, like you said, brought it, brought that video to new heights. Mm-hmm. No doubt. He saved my butt too. Cause on Kyle's diving catch there. Um, I yes. didn't, ro- I didn't rotate the, uh, the, the, the main camera shot, but he caught it on the side as you guys saw in the we, replay after the inning, which was pretty cool. May, maybe a little short form TikTok idea for your Tom is just to compile all the catches since Dude, literally, 2009 or that's 2010 a in, that ex- idea. <laughs> in that exact same spot Kyle Schultz it's like every year he gets at least one I sometimes totally two agree. every year he's done it in tournaments he's done it in MLW he's done it in the regular season the postseason it's like it's guaranteed no literally Jack there's a high chance that video is happening because that's a good idea <laughs> and like you said it's, it's always on that side too it's always first base side right near the foul line and I'd say like I think the over under per year is probably one or one and a half. He's making that yeah. play at least once a year, no doubt in my mind. And and the weird thing is, is like 
when he does go for like he's very efficient i i can't think of many times where he's gone for the layout dive and hasn't successfully completed the catch it's got to be over 90 percent. i think i don't remember yes. any misses that come to my the front of my mind to be honest no no i don't think so at all maybe he just hasn't calculated so well now just down to his science that the ones that are out of reach that he knows via a dive he's just not even going to go for like he doesn't even get off the mound fast enough for so when he dives he's making the play but this, this one was particularly good, in my opinion. This was a full extension one, full sprint to the ball. It, it was just so funny because, like, I, I've seen it, like I said, so many times before that, like, the second it came off the bat and I saw him leave the mound, I, I was obviously impressed by the catch because it was amazing, but I was not surprised at all. No, like, no one's surprised. I was just surprised. like, oh, that's, that's pretty routine there for Schultz. Like, he's going to make that. That's why make that play. me not rotating the camera there, like, I should know better. He's always making that play. Like, if I see the <laughs> pop-up go to the right side, I should automatically just grab that camera and rotate it because you know he's making yes, that catch. every time. It's, it's automatic, I got to say. It really is. But uh, to start that game off, let's start with game one, talking about the series. Uh, I want to talk about just RJ Walgate again. He comes out. Nearly throws an immaculate inning, Jack. He was one strike away from going nine for nine there against the Cats lineup. And then Jackson did take a ball high. You guys will see that full at bat um, on YouTube shorts and Instagram and TikTok. If you haven't already, it'll be out. But uh, wild. I mean, Jackson just, we heard Russell come on here in a little bit. I don't know if cocky is the right word. Russell's like, I don't think he's that good, even though the Preds didn't do anything against him. But what was your initial reaction to facing RJ? And what do you think it is that's making him so tricky? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, like Blade said a couple weeks ago on the pod, we faced him at U.S., so I've already known, like, he was good. Like, <laughs> is, I, I think RJ has one of the highest ceilings in MLW, and he's already this good. And, yeah, I think he's just, he's so lengthy to the mound, as everybody says, and the ball's going to get on you fast. So, like, even if he throws a slider at 70, it might feel like 74 or 75. Mm-hmm. So, you, you have to be short to the ball, and I, I just think he did a great job at not even just – throwing strikes but he was locating too i mean it was in out he he was doing pretty much whatever he wanted to for us most of the game yeah i agree um i was behind the camera again seeing it in person and it's just unbelievable how the command he has like jack said on the pod and we laughed our butts off talking about how the poor could kid couldn't find the strike zone there when he was warming up for his first ever appearance <laughs> and now here he is just one of the most if not probably the most dominant pitcher so far through the first half of the season, or almost there, we got one series to go, but uh, just been unbelievable. Jack, what are your thoughts? Just seeing the dominance continue there right out of the gate in game one. Yeah, I mean, it's just you almost like it's just funny the way that that first inning went because just given his age, his lack of experience, not in wiffle ball, but just in MLW, you know, like cameras being on. You almost like expect in the back of your mind, like there's going to be a day where he just doesn't have it. You know what I mean? Like, like any athlete, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's going to be a day where they just don't have all their stuff and it's a big game. You know, I'm thinking he's probably got some nerves coming out, like first place game, first time playing Kyle, like the cats and the kid just comes out and it's just like ping, 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 <laughs> ping, ping, ping. And it's like, what is Literally, going on pins. here? Like, like just, yeah. All. And so, I mean that that set the tone for our team and and for any team like when you have your pitcher come out there and in that first inning it's just like not messing around attacking the zone getting after the hitters I mean it's a it's just a great way to start the series and obviously that game you know game one didn't go our way Mm -hmm. um but like I said it was like we felt like we could accomplish anything you know after that first inning 
oh, yeah, when you're on the sideline or you're in the infield and you're watching your pitcher just pounding strikes and making guys look silly, it's it's so encouraging, especially at the plate. It takes a lot of pressure off you on offense. But I got to switch sides over to JP now. RJ is steamrolling you guys. A um, couple walks there in the third inning may have been a single. Two runners on. It was first and third. You come to the plate with two outs, down to your last out, and uh, you get the job done. You hit a shot in the center field, and uh, what's going through your mind in that at bat prior to hitting the pitch and then right after? It's it's impressive, the confidence that takes to, to deliver in that spot, given the situation. Yeah, I mean, when I was going up there, obviously there was two outs, and I just wanted to hit a ball hard. And so he actually... I think it was a riser low and away for the first pitch. And then he threw me a drop that I swung and missed on the second. So it was 0-2 and I just widened up. And I was Grant asked me after the game, he was like, were you sitting on that pitch? Because it was like a slide drop. And I was like, no, I, it was just pure reaction. Like I, if I saw it anywhere close, I was going to swing. And um, yeah, I mean, RJ left that one a little bit up, but I was like, hey, that was just pure reaction. I'm happy that I put a good swing on it. And when I was rounding the bases, I was just, we, I was just happy that we could keep it rolling, but kind of blacked out in a way because <laughs> that was my fuck off in MLW. That's actually sweet. That's actually sweet. Um, didn't know that. That's awesome. I didn't know Congrats. that. Either. Thank you guys. It's almost eerie and shocking how similar the Dallas Allen 2022 season is to RJ's season on the mound here. So Dallas was in the same situation as to where like hadn't given up a run was undefeated on the mound, perfect ERA. And then down to their last out, the D backs, Jonah Heath hit a walk-off home run. And I think it was also an Oh, and two count. I know for sure there was two strikes on Jonah last year in that series. And Jonah went deep off of Dallas. Same thing here. RJ perfect through however many games this season Hasn't lost, no earned runs, and the home run ball, the walk-off. It's unbelievable um, how, the, how similar those two things have been. But, uh, yeah, I was shocked. I didn't see it coming. Whenever, you know, because in my head, as an announcer there, I'm pretty much, pre- I mean, I'm thinking about the walk-off too. When it's down to the last strike, I'm probably more so leaning towards preparing myself to make the call to end the game for the Magic than for the Wildcat win, if that makes sense. So it definitely caught me off guard. And, uh, but it was exciting, and I always get excited when there's an exciting finish like that because it just makes the video that much better, especially in Game 1. When there's a great game like that in Game 1, I know the viewers are going to be uh, more inclined to stick around for the rest of the video. So uh, I was happy for you, Jackson. And Jack, um, bummed for you, of course, from a buddy. And I always <laughs> like rooting for RJ as he is the young guy who's defying all the odds. But uh, in comparison to the Mallards um, against the Wildcats, I talked about how we lost that first game and I just could not get the wheels back on the bus. My guys were deflated and I struggled managerially to uh, to rally the troops to do anything the rest of the day. You guys come back, bounce back, and win the second game. Bottom throws a great game. So what do you do? What do I got to learn from you, Jack, to get my guys' minds right moving into the rest of the series after a tough game one loss like that? You know, honestly, I, I would just say like, conversely your your attitude going into that last inning or i guess your expectations was kind of that we were gonna we were gonna close the game out you know rj had kind of been rolling Mm -hmm. um and from from my point of view you know it's almost like you just have to expect that the other team's gonna do something right you got to expect that the wildcats with that absolute gauntlet of a lineup are gonna make something happen at the very least tie the game and so, to be honest, going into that last inning, I was thinking like, how we're gonna how we're gonna be able to go into extras and and like try to tough one out into extras, not not really you know expecting to lose, but just like being prepared 
for what's next and always being ready. And I, and, and so that was kind of my mindset. So like watching Jackson hit that home run, I wasn't even really like that upset. Cause it was kind of just like almost expected that something was going to happen. And I think from a team standpoint, how we were able to like keep our heads up and not really get too flustered was goes back to, you know, probably like a month ago, maybe two series ago before this one where I, I had just a, after RJ had, you know, got a pretty hot start, obviously. And, and I kind of just told him and, and the team, like, there's going to come a time where someone just hits a bomb off you, like <laughs> runs start to pick up. Like, it's just going to happen. And, and you might as well accept it now. And that was, you know, like weeks before this series even happened. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I kind of set the table as like, you know, we're, as a team, we were doing really well and rolling, but there's going to come a time where like we, we face some adversity and that's going to be when we figure out like really what type of team we are. And so I think after that game one loss in our minds, it was like, man, like we didn't even have our best stuff in that game and it took a walk off for them to win it. So like, let's go get these last two. And we were, we were really confident that we were going to be able to do that. And so I think, you know, it was a, it was a quick start in game two and, and we got the ball rolling. That you did. Specifically about game two, I want to get into more of Trevor Bottom's performance. He's been a surprise this year. Definitely under the radar big time because RJ's gotten all the spotlight on your pitching staff. But uh, Bottom seems to be rejuvenated out there. I can't lie. He's got a new little fire in his belly. He's got confidence at the plate, especially in terms of taking balls versus swinging at strikes. He's got to have one of the <laughs> highest OBPs in the league. I mean, he will make you throw strikes. That's a big reason why I gave him player of the day was not only because of um, his one on the mound and the walk-off hit, but just the discipline. He was impossible to get out almost, it seemed like. And I could tell Kyle and JP were getting frustrated out there just trying to throw to him because he was making them hit that zone. So what have you seen from him so far, Jack? And do you think you've also noticed a change in him, his demeanor from uh, last year to this year? Yeah, you know, I think Trevor is the type of player that thrives when he's got that chip on his shoulder, right? He kind of always has that chip. Um, but I think being sort of like the underdog or flying a bit under the radar helps him in a way where he doesn't necessarily have to put all the weight on his shoulders. So, so having RJ as like our number one pitcher can really, I think, allow Trevor to relax a little bit and, and not really feel like the full weight of our bullpen, you know, our team is like riding on his performance. I believe that allows him to excel on the mound but also at the plate because I think he's just more relaxed. He's not as uh, pressured to help himself out. Whereas like last year, we felt like we just couldn't help him out at all offensively, which we couldn't. And it sort of led to us, you know, probably having some some not so great at bats. And to be honest with you, I, I think uh, having Grant Miller in the lineup and putting Trevor at the four spot so you know therefore grant would come up after him i think that makes trevor you know think a lot harder about like the pitches that he's swinging at because he knows hey if i get on base i got you know one of if not the best hitters behind me mm-hmm. and so as a team you know outside of grant our batting average isn't phenomenal and is and is towards the bottom of the league statistically but i think we've been doing a good enough job 
you know, mostly led by Trevor in terms of getting on base and, and giving that support to, to allow Grant to, you know, hit us around the bases and, and get some runs on the board. That's a good point. I have to talk to Trevor about that to see if that is uh, a factor in his approach to the plate, but he's done a great job at turning over the lineup. I can tell you that much. And um, I think we see that a lot too from pitchers as well. So when you have you know, the bottom of the order and a tough hitter up next, oftentimes in wiffle ball, what I've seen both in MLW and playing in tournaments like we did this past weekend, NWLA, it's almost the mental block of the pitchers like, okay, if I can throw strikes to this guy, this is like a higher percentage out than the next guy. So like, I got to just pound the zone here and try to get this out and get us out of this inning. Oftentimes those guys get walked on four pitches. You know, yep. it's, it's the mental block of the pitcher thinking I have to throw strikes. And aiming comes into play instead of just trusting your your stuff and whatnot. So I think Trevor's capitalized on that beautifully. I, I can't lie. Yeah, it's almost like the it's almost like sometimes the pitchers are like you know they're like less focused. Like they like it's, you you maybe you're thinking ahead to the next batter or 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 whatever it is. But yeah, that is that is, I'd love to see the actual statistics on that because that is an interesting concept in that in that first game. Um, when ja- after Jackson hit that walk off, I we kind of like gathered together, and Grant was Grant. He didn't bring it up at the time, but after the game, he was he he said, you know, like I was thinking about bringing up the idea of of walking Jackson because I believe at that point the bases would have been loaded, mm-hmm. and then so we would have had a force out and would have had their fourth batter um, up at the plate, which was LJ, obviously. Um, so like looking back on it. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, I guess, but um, and in you know maybe it would have turned out differently. But at the same time, it's like, okay, well now you got the bases loaded. You're going to bring up Liam, who can definitely hit the ball. We've seen that already. Mm-hmm. I know Liam well from playing with him. I know he can hit. So I don't really feel much better about that. Now the bases <laughs> are loaded. So if you happen to walk him, it's a free run in automatically. And then if he gets on base, now you got to deal with Kyle. So it's like. We we've been attacking the zone all day. You might as well try to go after Jackson and and you know make him hit. Which he, kudos to you, Jackson. Obviously you did. Um, but yeah, it is really interesting, Tom. I've I've never thought of it that way, but like you do see those fourth, those third and fourth batters like get walked a little bit more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I, um, just speaking from personal experience real quick, um, yeah, that was a big issue for me in the 2018 World Series. So I was facing the Wildcats. This is before Jackson's years in MLW, but the lineup was Kyle Schultz, who, fantastic hitter, and then followed by Zach Pirock and Ryan Kelly, which were two not-so-fantastic hitters. So in my head, I knew, like, I don't even need my best stuff, my best movement. I just got to throw strikes here, and I can probably get these guys out. You know, they're not touching anything I'm throwing. But, gosh, I just couldn't throw strikes to them for whatever reason because of because of what I just told you, you know, knowing that I had to throw strikes and it was an easy out. It, uh, it's just a mind game at that point. Instead of just going at them like any other hitter, I bet you I would have had more success. So, um, But, uh, yeah, Bottom did a great job with that at the plate. And on the mound, he's been fantastic. He doesn't have the most, doesn't have the craziest movement. You know, I'm sure, Jackson, you saw a lot more stuff moving both left and right and up and down from Walgate. He, Walgate has that big screwball. He's got a good riser and slider. Bottom does mix in a pretty good riser, but he, he's one of the few guys in the league that sort of effectively uses a, a straight ball, for the lack of a better word. Uh, what do you what do you see from him, and why do you think he's being so dominant right now on the mound? He's numbers wise, he's up there with RJ. You know, not in innings pitched, but win loss and ERA, he's right there. I mean, I think Trev has one of the best risers in MLW. Honestly, like he obviously he has he throws that slider and a riser a lot. But I've been saying to Trev the past couple of years, like as long as he's missing it up enough, I think his riser starts low enough to where it will affect hitters. And I think he was doing a great job of it versus us, like especially against like Kyle and certain at bats, like he was keeping it literally bottom pipe to where like you almost couldn't, mm-hmm. you couldn't place it any better. And yeah, I mean, I think Trev, I think he's, his mindset has been just great this year. I think just getting Grant and the whole magic team, Grant's been a leader and then RJ coming in and doing what he's been able to do along with Trev, like how you guys have been saying, getting on base, I think it's like the Magic right now are just trending in the right direction. And I'm I'm, I'm excited, like, just to keep watching what you guys do, Jack. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. I think it's it's we can we can kind of compliment each other's teams here a little bit, because I think what we're seeing with Trevor, obviously, he's he's been a phenomenal pitcher in the league for a few years now. But I think this year, what we're seeing with some of the opposing teams is a little bit of what I would call like the Nick Saylor effect that we saw when, when Nick started pitching <laughs> more with the Wildcats. Term. I love that. Which, term. which you have, you have. Okay, so first, first game, you're gonna see Kevin Durant on the mound throwing <laughs> you like these wicked screwballs, and then in game two, you're gonna get Trevor, who is like locating his pitches perfectly with like not a lot of movement, but they're all right at the speed limit. You know, like he. He hangs around that seventy-two the whole the whole game, so it's it's just like that change of pace, and then like you got to, and then as soon as you get used to that, you got to flip back to the other guy. I think that you know that that was what we saw with Nick Saylor, like you know last year and the year before, just like it threw people off. I mean, it wasn't like what Nick was doing was absolutely crazy. He was just throwing strikes consistently, and it and it looked different than what Kyle was doing. Yeah, and so it kind of throws people off. I gotta say too. Let's let's talk about how what what what's Bottom's height? Maybe five seven. <laughs> like we're yeah, talking about yeah, almost complete, a foot difference of I, RJ. And yeah, Trevor. it's literally yeah. You go from the tallest guy at the Meadows to one of the shortest guys, uh-huh. and so it's just like totally different. Yeah, 
I love that. I didn't really think about the height difference there, but that's definitely huge. I have yet to face that sequence, and I, I won't this year unless it's the World Series, which, fingers crossed, the Mallards are there. But, um, yeah, the the Wallgate, Bonham, Wallgate sequence, I'm sure, was not fun, Jackson. <laughs> like Jack said, I think that's, like, one of the most underrated things in MLW. When you guys, if there's a pitcher going game one and it's a different one game two, like, I, I do think, like, it's a – it's a difference of the arm slots from RJ to Trev. Yeah. And then it's, yeah, like the change of speeds is a little bit different. And I, it does, it does kind of like mess with you in a way. Like I remember being in right field watching Kyle and Nick do that a couple of years ago, every single game. And hitters would be like, why can't I hit Nick? And I mm-hmm. just, I do think it was like the difference from what Kyle was throwing and doing compared to Nick because he was really just one pitch, maybe two here and there. And I remember, you saying you were a broken record saying like, I don't know how they don't miss this. <laughs> I was, I was, yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I would just like, I would just take it a, a step further and, you know, point to last year in a lot of games in a lot of our, you know, game one and three is where Trevor was pitching and we would lose those games like one, like two, two, nothing, three, nothing. Um, and a lot of that is just because like, because his stuff doesn't move a lot and it is so consistent, if you throw it enough times to good hitters, they're going to figure out a way to hit it. Mm-hmm. And so obviously we weren't giving him the support at the plate. And so it's like eventually these good hitters are going to come around. That's why I wasn't really surprised in that game one when Jackson was able to poke one out because it's like I knew how good of a hitting team the Wildcats were. And you're almost like expecting them to adapt at some point and, and figure it out. Yeah. This is not really a dig at Trevor at all because, like you said, Jack, he was very solid last year, very under the radar once again because the Magic's record was so bad. But ERA-wise, he had a pretty solid year. And uh, on the Mallard, same thing. When we were struggling, he was a pretty good pitcher. But because of his arsenal and um, his stuff you know, isn't super drastic, he doesn't have the big Dallas banana ball and whatnot, I think maybe he kind of found the perfect situation for him, which is being the number two guy. Not saying he can't mm-hmm. be an ace ever again, but I'm just saying I think with the dynamic of Wallgate to him back to Wallgate, I think is phenomenal. Just it's it fits his style so well of being, um, you know, maybe even a little bit of an upgraded version of Nick Saylor. Nick Saylor pretty much only had the one pitch, that slow little rising slider, whereas Trevor has you know two to three different pitches. None of them move a ton, but they're all slightly different. So I think him being a number two arm is perfect because you're going to get a lot of strikes out of him. It's different than Wallgate. And he has the experience in the big game. So it's like putting a former ace who didn't have the most movement now into a perfect role, in my opinion. I think he's settled into it well. And I think everyone in the Magic is doing a great job of just um, yeah, settling into their role and just being a team first type of player. And it seems like Bonham is it's playing really well into his favor. Yeah, I agree. I think with any sport, any organization, group, you got to know your role. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's important for your own success, but for the team's success. And you could honestly see it on on Trevor, just his body language and like attitude after our first series when you know we were kind of looking around, realizing what we had in in RJ. You could see how excited it got Trevor, almost like just knowing it's like, hey man, I I can just go out there and like pitch one game, focus on batting. And, and I don't have to worry about like the whole team's success, you know, mm-hmm. riding on, on my pitching. Um, so I, I, I think it's worked really well for him and, and obviously our, our team as a whole so far. Yeah, I agree 
Jackson, what's the, uh, before we move into the comment of the week this week, uh, I'm sure you guys are a bit bummed, lost your first series of the year, and you do not have, you know, total first place control anymore in the AL. But I can't imagine things and spirits were too, too low after that series. But what were the conversations like amongst you and Liam, Kyle, Sailor afterwards? Um, honestly, like we were just, we were texting our team group chat and we were like, well, we haven't really faced too much adversity so far this year. And we know we're a good hitting team. We think we're a pretty good fielding team and we knew what we did wrong. So good fielding big time, dude. <laughs> yeah. And we, we've been working on it a lot. Like me and Nick have been like seriously going out there practicing at the meadows a couple of times. And, um, yeah, so like, it was just the little things I always tell Nick and Kyle, LJ and like the little things are gonna be the deciding factor sometimes in big games especially when it comes like playoff time so in game two like when Trev hit that one to me mm-hmm. I was actually gonna go home with that ball and I should have and um I just heard Kyle say one 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 so it was kind of just like my natural reaction to go one and Sailor was shifted so he wasn't completely at first base so like at the end of the day like when it comes playoff time I'm gonna have to throw that one home so we just got to make little adjustments but we aren't too worried. We think we're one of the better teams still in MLW. So as long as we keep our heads right, um, stable mindset, I think I think we'll be fine going forward. Yeah, I agree. You know, two good teams going at it. Someone's got to win. Someone's got to lose. So uh, good to hear spirits are still high and whatnot. But uh, let's get into this week's comment of the week. <laughs> this one's simple but funny to me. It says, Bonham has sneakily become my favorite player. Great eye, solid pitching, clutch hits and fielding, and he does it in style. Very humble always rooting for him. And my favorite part of this is the reply to this comment saying, definitely the kind of guy I want on my team. Seems like a great guy. <laughs> it's just shout out, about, shout, just what a great guy. He is a great guy. Shout out Trevor. He, uh, he deserves the credit. Um, that game too was, you know, pitches a shutout and then gets the walk off RBI. Uh, not really a better way to do it. So. Yeah. Dare I say, probably Trevor's biggest and best performance since his 2021 postseason games, where he hit a couple homers in that yeah. series, right? I mean, that was that was, game two, game two against the Wildcats. That's a legacy game for mm-hmm. Mr. Bonham. That really is. Well, yeah. Let's not forget, Jack. Too, you did. You know, you made a pretty big move getting Bonham in the first place. You gave up a lot, so it's nice to see him kind of coming into his own a little bit again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean. Last year was, I think, uh, a little bit of an an anomaly for a few different reasons, but it's really good just to see Trevor and and the whole team, you know, firing on all cylinders here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm very excited for the second halves of both the Wildcats and the Magic season. I think these are two great teams. Probably my prediction right now for the ALCS matchup, which would be an absolute doozy. (laughs) I'll, I'll be nervous behind the camera for that one, just trying to make all the best calls possible for sure. Um, if it happens, of course, if it happens, but Hey, anyways. we're right now, right now, all we're focused on is the coastal Cobras in St. Louis. That's right. That's it. A couple weeks away, guys. Tickets are still on sale for that event. If you want to come out and watch Jack, RJ, Bonham, and the rest of the magic squad out there in St. Louis at Grizzlies ballpark. And, uh, JP, you got an out of state series coming up as well. in uh, early August there, the Wildcats and the Eagles are facing off in Vermont and that one is free admission. So information on those two series is on MLWWiffleball.com. But real quick, JP and I, um, we also went down to Pittsburgh this past weekend to play in the NWLA National Tournament. Uh, that was my third time there. I believe that was Jackson's first time there. Jackson was playing with the Bay City Football League, which is home to players like himself, Trey Flood, Landon Urgaitis, Carson Urgaitis, Preston Colm, 
and potentially other future MLW stars as well. So, uh, Jackson, how'd you enjoy your first, uh, well, I guess it wasn't your first because you played in Ma once, but your first NWLA and one of your first fast pitch competitive tournaments. Yeah, I mean, it was awesome just seeing all those guys and then like from U.S. last year going to Ma once and just meeting everybody. I just think it's awesome like for the wiffle ball community to come together at like all these big tournaments, just say what's up. And then when you're on the field, obviously, it's you're going at it, man. So it's. <laughs> It, it was a, it was a really fun time. We actually we got a couple wins. We beat Circle City and Ridley Park, who are two of the better teams there, and they, um, they were, they did pretty well too at the tournament. So I mean, the fact that we were able to get to them and get a couple wins in our first ever tournament, especially with it being unscuffed and just playing yellow bats, I thought was pretty awesome. And I think it helped um, all of us just come together even more. And um, just it was a fun weekend overall. There was some. Some memories that we'll never forget. Yeah, Bay sure. City, the Bay City Football League, got to give them a shout-out. They definitely stole the spotlight from us this past weekend. They had a couple statement wins, guys, uh, like like Jackson said. So the Circle City Football League and then Ridley Park, who's from Philly. Those are two great leagues, two longtime leagues that participate in this national tournament. And uh, like we've, MLW, we've never beaten... Uh, a team of that caliber before at one of these fast pitch competitive tournaments. We come very close. We've lost by one run multiple times. But I think a lot of these teams, hearing you guys sign up last second, you guys being the youngest ones there, um, probably didn't didn't expect to see what they did, which was Trey Flood at 8 a.m. on day one. And Trey can bring it, you know what I mean? So when they have not their best arms lined up for you guys and you guys bring your ace who is solid yeah. and someone they've never seen before, um, you know, we woke up in our hotel room because we had a later start than you guys did, saw you guys won, and we were like, wow, like that is awesome. And I'm sure they were pretty upset that they lost. Just a just a pool play game, but still, shout out to all those young Bay City players for a couple big wins that uh made some noise in the tournament early for sure. Yeah, I gotta say it was uh it was really cool just being a member of the wiffle ball community. It was so cool to be able to watch some wiffle ball on ESPN plus. That's like, right. I I can't. Your teammates I mean, too. I can't say. I can't say. I haven't ever imagined the day, but it's just very cool that we are here. I. 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 I don't think that's. Is I think that's the first time it's ever really been televised. Like it, that's the, sort of like the best broadcasting version of wiffle ball. I would say, other than obviously YouTube, but like on a on a national, you know, media broadcasting network, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that was pretty special. I think that was the first yeah. ever televised national championship game for wiffle ball which is pretty special and uh jack your teammates grant miller or your teammates excuse me grant miller but then brendan baranowski the coastal cobras who are members of the kalamazoo wiffle ball league uh won the whole yeah. thing so shout out to baron and grant for a yes. pretty awesome legacy tournament win um that was their first ever title in their league's history and they've been close to it many many times so uh congratulations to them i know grant's a long time coming for him Aaron's the young guy in that squad, and he was there as well and, and pitched pretty well, too. So congratulations to KZU and uh, Baron and Grant. Big time dub. Brought home the trophy to Michigan, which is awesome. Hopefully uh, hopefully Baron's arm isn't too sore in a couple weeks. Here. <laughs> oh, that'd be a shame, wouldn't it, Jack? <laughs> that would be a darn shame. That would be a darn shame for the Magic. But, <laughs> yeah, overall, fun weekend. Um, I'm not going to say too much about MLW's performance. Number one, we didn't play very good. But number two, uh, we had still had a good time, though. We had some... Once in a lifetime, like Jackson said, just weird, funny experiences. So I want to have more of the guys on to talk about it. You guys might have saw a picture of Ryan at the Waffle House. We could have a whole podcast talking about our night at Waffle House. <laughs> Not even joking at all. It was something out of a movie. So 
maybe in the off season when uh, we're we're past the the MLW uh, bread and butter podcast, we're just breaking in the, down in the series. Dark days. Yeah, when in we're the, dark the we're days. the dark days of the pod. I want to get the NWLA boys together to talk about our night at Waffle House and our our whirlwind of a tournament that did not go how we thought it would. So um, just keep keep waiting for that one. It'll be special, and I want the rest of the guys here for that. So I'll, I'll leave you guys with that little teaser, but. Um, besides that, I think that's a wrap on today. JP, Jack, thanks for joining me virtually. Another virtual pod, guys. Up and from now until when the season actually ends in real time, it's going to be a bloodbath. So <laughs> once again, episodes every Tuesday, but who's here and where they're at, whether in person or virtually, will be uh, to be determined. But appreciate you guys tuning in nonetheless. Sawyer Bean has never played competitive baseball in his life, believe it or not, and we will catch you all next week. Pipe it up, pipe it up, pipe it up, pipe it up.